If you haven't had a chance, check out the Jazz Pod Co-op on Twitter. It's a group of podcasts with like-minded people that just want to share their opinions on the jazz. Here's a preview. Mark and Doug Hincy on the twos and threes. The weird things about dude shots is like my favorite like NBA subcategory of and like or they're like the length of their arms affecting something. I, I'm, I'm like whether they jump off of one foot because, or two foot. Right. Like, Emily and McCoy on the Jazza Gals. If anything, that video also reminded me like how just a few inches difference it was between us being on one side versus the other, you know, like, well, we all know a few inches can make a difference. Who Logan and Jared on hitting the high notes. I I don't even care if they're hurt. I mean, we're not going to dance on any injuries, but yes. I I, I can't make any promises, but I don't even care if it's a fluke or we cheat. I don't even care. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? Uh, That's what they say. And Brian and McCade on home court press. With Boyan, Memphis is really struggling to shoot. So giving Boyan to the Grizzlies and then having the Grizzlies forward our first-round pick onto another team, if you can get Boyan a first-round pick and then get Memphis to throw in a first-round pick in the A and take Boyan, a lot of possibilities open for a guy like John Collins. What's up, folks? It's another edition. It's hitting the high notes. Jazz talk. It is I. I am here. You can find me on the Twitterverse and the IG at Who Trust Superman. That's H U U T R A N Superman. Uh, you know, what? no Logan, no Jared. We got to, we're gonna do a super quick episode today, but we brought on Mister Life on a Play. He's back, folks. Uh, what's up, B Hodges? Thank you, thank you, everybody. Yeah, so good not, to be here. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Not only are you live on a play, but you also run a, a very unique um, a jazz account that um, you started, I want to say, about a year ago. Um, you you run the uh, the uh, anti-racist jazz fans page, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it has almost been a year, I think. Yeah. yeah. It feels like it's been out there. Um, I'll, it, I'm going to tell a funny story that involves one of our jazz pod co-op members. Um, I remember when Brian Priest... Um, uh, <laughs> decided to separate his personal account from his uh home court press account and somebody was like hey don't you run the uh anti-racist jazz fan account too and i was like you know i see i bet these uh both gentlemen i bet them in real life and i can see where you're going with that <laughs> but i mean the funny thing is that like if, if if i just saw you guys as avatars i could see why but i was like yeah they look like so it's just it's just funny so Pretty good times, um, uh, but welcome back. You know, we had you on over a year ago. I mean, it was it was a while back. Yeah, like, it has been a while. I, I think we were talking like trade deadline uh, stuff last, like it yeah. was like pre trade deadline. So yeah, over a year ago, pre pandemic. Um, uh, how have you been lately? I've been good. Um, I'm enjoying the season. I'm. I think yeah. Last time we sort of talked about like being a Zen fan and like finding right. a, a way to not get too to like enjoy it, but not get too emotionally overburdened. And I feel like I've kind of been doing pretty good with that this year. Um, adjusting expectations. I think like the maddest I've got was the Philadelphia game. Uh, that was uh, yeah. That was a hard when, game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. But yeah, yeah that, 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 been... that was like a, the the referees um uh, yeah. felt like they influenced the because I'm 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 not big on blaming referees for but that was same. one of those games I remember like yeah that one yeah was close so I feel the same way I remember I think like my friend I don't know if this is apocryphal or not but there's a 
attributed to Larry Bird this quote about like if, if you feel like the refs beat you, you, you didn't play hard enough or you didn't, you know, you, yeah. you didn't play your game. And I, I tend to try to buy into that. I think this year the players said I think have griped to the refs a little bit more than I like to see. And the fans there's always fans ready to complain about refs right. from every fan base, including ours. But but that was a game where I was like, wow, that, that yeah. the officiating really kind of ruined the end of that game. I just didn't, you know. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's probably it's part of it's because we have the worst seats in the house, you know. Like yeah. e- e- even with all these cameras and everything, we, you know, the referees um, are doing a really hard job with yeah. the closest views in the in the court, on the court, and uh, it's in, it, you know they don't get benefit of slow slow motion replay and stuff. So yeah. I do try to job. remember that too. Is like the even if if you've been to a game, I I rarely get to sit close, but the times that I do get to sit close, it's almost like watching a different game, really. Like I'm I'm used to the TV view or kind of lower upper bowl where you're really seeing a broader picture than what the officials can see standing down on the court where there's bodies everywhere and and the game is fast. I do think it's probably one of the most, it may be the most difficult sports to officiate because of its speed and the type of rules. Like what would be harder? What's harder than officiating like a fast paced NBA game? Yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, college football looks awful all the time. So I don't know. I I don't watch a lot of college football, but you know, I, people are probably yelling about stuff like that, but um yeah uh anyway so you know enough about referee we, people aren't here to hear about refereeing people are here about hit about the the jazz who uh i think last we recorded are four no since then uh they they went back to back against the spurs which is a, a pretty hard thing to do like we, we've said before um, is it this you know? time though and and well now okay so so do you think it's some uh it was not hard because of the opponent or do you think that yeah. it's not hard because the jazz are at a different level? Well, I think it's a homestand. It's a, it's uh-huh. a back-to-back homestand against a team that in some ways looks really checked out. And I, you know, I know Pop is a great coach and, but I think the it's just not good personnel for him. And so I tend to think that, you know, that I get, the, I get the general, the stereotype or the, the idea that I've heard is, when you play the same team back to back, it's really hard to get both of those games, regardless of who it is. I don't know. Like this really did look really easy for the Jazz. It did. Uh, looked, and they coasted, man. Um, and part of the reason that we we've talked about this uh, uh, on this podcast is that uh, I, I've said many times that this Jazz team feels different, and you expect like Jazz teams from like the twenty tens to the 2020s, like it was the last decade, right? Uh, good jazz teams, okay jazz teams, that you can get one, but then you get figured out in the second game where you just don't bring the same intensity. The yeah. jazz, you know, are missing Donovan Mitchell and, and uh, Mike Conley. So, um, you know, you could forgive the jazz if they gave up one of those games in a different year. But this year, the jazz are in just a different echelon and our uh, expectations for this jazz team are, is to be elite and is to to win these games that you should win. Uh, no. You you would think Except, it's not that hard, it's but the Timberwolves. <laughs> right, I was gonna say like you know, I was about to say the Timberwolves the week before showed the Jazz. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of a pretty to be a team three times in the season. Um, the Suns, the Wolves, and they against the Wizards, I guess in, in a way. But uh, so things seem to be better in Jazz, at least in Jazz Twitter, Jazz fandom. Uh, you know, wins will always do that. The Jazz are back in the driver's seat for the number one seed. We're going to get yeah. into that a little bit. Uh, so 
for the newer listeners, uh, for if you've never listened before, welcome. Uh, what we've been doing the last few weeks, instead of doing a temperature check on the Jazz, we've been doing something called the fear factors or fear, fear ratings for the teams that uh, we're scared of uh, of facing in the playoffs as fans. Uh, so, Blair, I, I, you know, just real quick, you know, let's just do top four. The top four teams that you're scared of and the order that you're scared uh, about them in. Yeah, so this is – I was thinking about this today. And even more so now that the Lakers look like a pretty big question mark with some of the injuries that are going on. I think LeBron, you know, with the ankles, AD left early tonight. So the Lakers dropped on my list quite a bit. Um, And we've seen the Jazz hang really well with the Clippers. So they kind of slid down. I think I'm more afraid of Phoenix and Denver uh, even so without your, Jamal Murray. So would you go, uh, would you say... Uh, in the uh, West, anyway. Sun, yeah, Suns, Nuggets, Clippers, Lakers? Is that is that kind of where yeah, you're at right now? Yeah, that's that's my order. If you bring the it, East in, I'm not afraid of anyone outside of the Nets. Uh, and possibly... I feel... Oh, let me think. Between the Sixers and Suns, I'm more... I'm more... Uh, Afraid of the Suns, I think, than, than the Sixers. Like the, the one thing I, the one thing I've been ignoring a lot on this fear ranking is that like just leaving the East out, because uh, in most years like the East is kind of an afterthought. Yeah. Uh, but they do have that super team, but it's because the West is such a juggernaut that I, I still have time to focus on the West and then say, oh, by the way, once we get through that gauntlet yeah. of teams, like by the way, you got to get past the super team of the Nets. Um, yeah. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah, yeah so it's, it's funny that you mentioned Suns above the because like uh, we've been doing this for two, three weeks now and people's normal lists, like my, mine went Lakers, Suns, Clippers, Nuggets. And everybody else is kind of going Lakers, Clippers, Suns, Nuggets. And I'm not, I'm not trying to dunk on anybody saying like those were, again, and again, they're for, all good teams. Yeah. The last couple of weeks, those were probably, you know, a majority of people's fear rankings. Yeah, but the, the equations has changed. The equations have changed. Yeah, uh, I, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was still a little scared of the Nuggets, even even without Jamal Murray. They they look like Jokic is playing probably like the the probable MVP. Yeah, I think and, for sure. Yeah, um, I know that like you know Murray was a, a huge scorer in the, uh, but like he was never the one that I was super scared of. And I, I don't want to keep rehashing the same points I've made before, but that Nuggets team still is scary to me. Yeah, um, we haven't played them with Aaron Gordon yet, have we? Is... Right, yeah. So Friday, you know, the when this episode drops, I'm, uh, it'll be pre Jazz Nuggets, and we'll yeah. see, we'll see soon. <laughs> the Jazz get, yeah, but without our front court, that's the frustrating thing is we don't actually get to see a full strength. It's hard. We won't really be able to gauge. We can't really gauge Phoenix at this point either because yeah. we we played him shorthanded. So yeah, like I, I, part the of the reason me... I say Phoenix is because Chris Paul has the mid range thing, like. We uh-huh. funnel stuff to the mid range, and he kills us in the mid range. Yeah, so. like I'm gonna bring that up in a minute. Like, uh, what are the Jazz gonna do in the mid range? Because that seems yeah. to be uh, a question on people's minds. So I'll, I write that right now, so we can mention it here just in, in our next segment. But all right, so so the Lakers equation has changed, and that's it's really easy, uh, you know, to to break down LeBron. Not quite sure what's going on with LeBron. Uh, maybe maybe he's not quite a full strength. Like the fear rankings was. These were all the teams at full strength a couple weeks ago. Like, and now, like as we get closer to you know May twenty second, the Lakers look a little more you know chip in the armor. Like maybe they'll be at ninety percent. Are are ninety percent Lakers as scary as uh, some of these other teams? And it, I don't know. It sounds like not. 
uh, we'll see. Again, uh, big game for the Lakers. Uh, you know, the Jazz Nuggets are going to be a big game. The Lakers and Blazers are going to be a pretty big game. So we'll find out where those guys fall. Um, the Nuggets, again, a, a wild card. Not quite sure. Like, I mean, we, we sort of dismissed them a few weeks ago, um, everybody here. And they're, you know, kind of looking like they're in the driver's seat for, you know, a 3-4 seat. A 3-4 seat. Yeah. And, I mean, they're 8-2 and, and two uh, over their last 10 right, right. now. Right. And, and probably a first-round matchup with the Mavericks. And so uh, Mavericks or Blazers uh, right now, like yeah. if we were to guess or um, – yeah, uh, and then Suns like like when people ask me like why I was trading the Suns like it was it were, really was a coin flip between the Suns and the Clippers and I decided to be contrarian pick the Suns uh, also because like I, I feel like a lot of people are sleep like do what they do to the Jazz they sleep on the Suns yeah I think so uh, yeah uh, but you mentioned it the Suns the mid range so we've seen it w- with the Spurs because the Spurs um uh, probably should have lost by fifty like um uh, uh like the Jazz um around the the Kings right. But what kept them in it was that the Jazz would sometimes go cold, and then Suns or the Spurs, DeMar DeRozan, you know, those guys are all like good mid-range shooters, and it's what the Jazz want. It's, it's what the Jazz are, are are going to do. But do you think that that um, that defense or uh, the offense of uh, the offensive teams change their schemes a little bit in the playoffs, like mid-range becomes more important? That's, I mean, that's the that's. That's what people tell me, <laughs> right? I think that's yeah, the like, conventional wisdom. Um, yeah. The and also a little bit more one-on-one ball. Uh, you know, this is the game slows down, more half-court sets, more mid-range. Um, that's kind of the stereotypical expectations about postseason stuff, which I don't really get, honestly. Uh, I, I I I don't really understand why people would radically change. The style of play because it's the postseason i mean there are teams that haven't done that i think the the warriors were good enough where uh, they would just they played their same game i think you know throughout the season that they did in the postseason so i think there are teams that break that stereotype or break that mold but right i mean the warriors are a historically good team when they were doing that so um and part of the the reason i bring that up because like so we've seen the suns we've seen the spurs we've seen these guys um, play into quote unquote play into what the Jazz want you to do, and um, mm-hmm. uh, it's oh, Popovich wanted them to do that. <laughs> it seemed yeah. like Popovich was like, "Yeah, let's do the exact thing that the Jazz prefer us to do." That's why right. I, I just was kind of baffled by that whole. But, but the approach. Suns do it too, and the, and the Suns did it better. And the, the you Suns, know, Chris, yeah, the Suns do it too, and they're but they roast you when they do it. Right, and so like I mean, yeah, the, the Suns just have a little bit better personnel. Plus, they have, you know, they have Chris Paul, they have Devin Booker, guys who are just more yeah, talented. Than Chris Paul is not afraid of Rudy Gobert. That's the bottom line. He or, just uh, isn't. He's not intimidated by him at all. He sees Derek Favors out there. He's like, "Yep, I'm gonna, you know, these next four minutes, I'm gonna be scoring because, yep. yeah, yeah." And so, I, I I've asked this a few times. Is like, okay, so in the playoffs. When uh, the Jazz see that okay, Chris Paul is, are like, do the Jazz defensive scheme like do they change it a little bit, or is it more of a like okay, now we have to be just five percent, ten percent stronger, faster? That's what uh, I would think Quinn's doing. Yeah, they're just like all right, cool. Now you guys have to be a little bit crisper, get off those screens faster, like yep. you know, focus. I, I, and, again, and the refs might let you play a little bit more, you know. 
Yeah, and so I wonder if that's it. Maybe they just play harder and make those shots just a little bit harder than, you know, it's, it looks like the Jazz are on cruise control. Like you know, in the wins yeah. and losses in the past few weeks, I just I see this Jazz team and I I I feel as a fan just like yeah, all right, win or loss, whatever. We're we're really focused on making sure we get to the playoffs in a good position and with all our guys, you know, at close to as hundred percent as possible, whatever, right? It sort of felt like that for the Wolves games. I really am disappointed. I think those are those game those two games just really hurt us a lot. I mean, you win those two and you're I think we lock up home we lock up the first seed if we win those two games. Right. And I mean I I, I, I have a hard time blaming them. Like this has been such a long season. Uh especially when it got compacted. Cause I again as a fan, I'm just like I, I have a hard time getting up for those games to watch. And I was like, eh, you know, oh you guys are losing? Yeah. Cool. Like my emotional investment is not as much as it was, you know, back in January. I noticed that too. I have to say, and this is kind of silly, a silly thing to say, but like, I think on one of those games, I forgot to put up my uh, jazz flag, you know, like I've been doing that, putting up the note flag, you know, fly the note or whatever it is. I've been doing that each game. And some of those games, some of those games, I like didn't put my flag up and I didn't, I always wear like a pair of jazz socks on game day. And a couple of those games, I just didn't do it. And and the jazz lost. And and I, I don't, you know, I'm not superstitious in sense of saying like you know in that but i'm like you know it just was reflective i think maybe i'm kind of sharing that same attitude of like okay right. like you know my head's not in the game the jazz's head's not in the game yeah i mean i said it a month ago i like like i want to say like beginning of april or i was like eh guys do we really care about the next like the next six weeks like the jazz are probably not going to fall out of the playoffs the jazz are probably not going to fall out of the top two yeah. in the in the west like do we really care and yeah i, I don't want to like pat myself on the back or like make these games prove my narrative it just that's where i was at that point so yeah and uh, i like these games for a little bit of like workshopping for the for the team um i think that having a few people out gives other guys a chance to maybe hone some things or let's say let's say donovan or mike get in foul trouble or something uh, in, a, in a game well uh we're gonna have a team that's used to them not being on the floor for a little while so i, I think i think some of that can play to your advantage a little bit if those guys are healthy when they come back right yeah and i'm uh I, you know people have asked me like i'm uh well why, why aren't donovan mike playing yet like and i see people on twitter talk about like oh they're they're out for the playoffs I'm like it probably isn't that you no. know their, their sky is falling Twitter and I was like no guys come on now like yeah I don't I, the it, team hasn't said something that would suggest that right and honestly like really that again I, I think it comes down to the Jazz don't really need Donovan to play against the Spurs you yeah. know it'd be nice to get that game well, I think his ankle still hurt I I think you oh, know, yeah. I think he's I mean, probably still like a week away from really probably feeling. The, the worry I have is that it takes time to get back in. It takes time to get back into game shape. It takes yeah, time yeah. to get into rhythm with the team. Um, you know, that's that's my worry. I, I'm not quite worried that they won't be healthy enough to play. I think they'll be healthy enough to play. Yeah. The question is, will they be firing on all cylinders individually and collectively having missed that kind of time? Yeah, and we've seen some good – I mean, obviously – so, you know uh, – <laughs> Yeah, Boyan comes up on this podcast a lot. And, uh, you know, there are people out there going, try to do the victory laps. And, you know, if you're doing victory laps against people who are, like, jumping off the Boyan bandwagon because of his uh, offensive woes, 
I'm all for it. Go for it. Take your victory laps. Over here on the high notes, a lot of our criticisms didn't come down to his offensive game. I mean, I've literally said one, you know, this from the offseason is I'm not quite sure I've seen Boyan, Mike, and Donovan all play in a game together where all three of them are like super high level, like like Boyan's level right now, or when Donovan or Mike are just one of these like I'm not quite sure there's enough touches to go around to get all three of those guys going. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope that Mike and Don are watching right now what Bogey's doing, and maybe are a little bit more willing to kind of share the possessions a bit more than than what they've been right. doing. I, I don't know if that has been a deliberate thing. Of his touches are down uh, when they're on the floor this year, and I wonder if they're watching this and saying, "Look what he's doing! Look what he's doing when he's getting those touches!" And, right. and I, I agree with you. I can't remember the last game when all three of them were just hitting. You know, in right. fact. I remember thinking like, boy, if Bogey starts coming back to what Bogey was last year, the Jazz would seem unstoppable. I, f- I felt that way, you know, when we were on our big run. I'm like, we're doing this huge run and Bogey's not playing great. So yeah. what happens when he starts playing great? But we didn't get to to that point, you know. We <laughs> yeah, and it's hard because like Donovan, and again, I'm I'm a very I'm a layman when it comes to like basketball analysis. Donovan seems like the type of guy that he he does need positions to get going and so and so does boyan mike maybe not as much but like it does yeah. help when mike gets with them early too so i don't there's there's probably a way and um uh you know the the boyan thing even if he's not like scoring in double you know over 50 points a game having him out there really does help the jazz stretch the floor yeah uh, hopefully royce gets over the yips and um, uh, starts taking because like he, he's the one that i'm a little more worried about because like he's got he's got to like you know play like the first 20 games, uh, Royce taking yeah. open threes, hitting a good clip on them, and then being the guy that does all the dirty work. So if he's even hitting 35%, that's fine. He just needs yeah. to be pulling the trigger. That's all. He's pulling the trigger, like I mean, the, it's, it's criticism that I gave to Joe Ingles for years, for years. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was like, Joe, what do you and like? And I'm, I'm so glad that ESPN did a story where he talks about that, like how uh, Quinn got on him for passing up open threes. Yeah, there's um, a selfishness in doing that when it's right. when that's the right play within the offense. It's yeah. selfish to throw out of it. Yeah. So, uh, anything else jazz related you want to talk about before we kind of get into some other stuff here? Yeah, I like I like what Niang's been doing. Um, yeah, I think right. defensively, defensively he's not he's not a superstar. He is a he is a adequate defender, which is huge. That's well, that's really what you like need a, from him is being an adequate we, defender. We didn't even get uh, as fans. We didn't see that from him last year when he was um, uh, stepping up uh, and playing in the bubble and stuff. Um, Yang is an interesting topic because um, he's someone that we criticized a lot last year. Um, and then, but last year I I, I, did, I remember saying a lot that you know in the seventh man role that's just a little too many minutes. That's that's too many minutes for him. Like he's not he's he's playing outside uh, of what his capabilities are. And this year I'm like, well, you know. Boy, like uh, you know, we've kind of theorized that next year Yang's gonna make a big payday uh, somewhere, and the Jazz won't be able to match. And I was like, well, you guys are gonna be paying a ninth man, seventh man money, but like, you know, seeing his play lately, I go, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Maybe he has improved enough because maybe he'll want to stay in Utah too, though. Like, maybe he'll look at yeah. the situation he has here and say, you know, um, do a team friendly deal that still, you know, gives him what he's right, worth, right. but doesn't, isn't the kind of thing where it's like, I'm going to squeeze the, I'm going to squeeze blood out of the rock and get as much money as I can. I don't know if George seems like that kind of guy. 
he I seems mean. to really like being with this screwed. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad see, you read the positivity to counteract the negativity that I bring all the time here. So that, that's nice <laughs> to have that, that yin, yin and yang balance. Hey, I'm Mark. And this is Doug. What's up? And we're co-hosts of a weekly podcast on the Utah Jazz called Twos and Threes. It's available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you get podcasts on your feed every Monday morning. Mark's my big brother, and you could say this podcast is a family affair, but really we think of the jazz and jazz nation as our family. So we'd love for you to participate with us to listen, and really, let's do this together. Go jazz. Go jazz. Be our family. Boom. Hi, I'm McCoy. Hi, I'm Emily. And we're the Jazzy Gals. If you're looking for in-depth Utah Jazz basketball analysis, this ain't it. (laughs) But if you are looking to discuss how great Rudy's beard looked this week, Jazz Twitter crushes, or other fun pop culture things, you have come to the right place. That's right, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And also on Twitter at JazzyGalsPod. Go Jazz! Go Jazz! It's funny. I'm a, I'm a pretty pessimistic jazz fan most of the time. But <laughs> it's when I'm doing the anti-racist jazz account, it, you know, I have to uh, I try to keep it pretty positive, uh, not Pollyanna like, you know, I'm not the type of fan that'll just be like, oh, you know, cheer for him, whatever happens. But I'm also sometimes I want to tweet out like, man, Boyan's not doing good tonight or like something like that. And, <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's probably not. I'm not going to do that. Right. I'll just, uh, like, I mean, you know, uh, this year I've tried to tweet more about the team in addition to the anti-racist stuff, yeah, uh, yeah. to kind of broaden the the followers and like reach more people yeah. and talk a bit more I mean, about the team in addition to doing the, the actively like anti-racist stuff. Yeah, like um, uh, you know, social justice, right? Like this yeah. is like really to. Um, and so this is the, this came up last year. Uh, was that Russell Westbrook thing last year? Like, it, God, like the pandemic has really thrown off my I know. memories. And like, I have no idea. Like, was that 2018? Was that, was that 2020? Yeah, it was the year I, I before. The, there was a Westbrook incident the year before. And then also, I think the year before that, there's been like two big ones, right? The, uh, yeah, so. There was one where the guy who has been like uh, banned from the arena, there was him. Uh, and then there was a pre the previous year I think someone had uh, oh, yeah. like a, they yelled at, they the yelled at uh, yeah uh, I don't want to say it but yeah they yelled some, uh, yeah. some stuff like, yeah that's a uh, the way the way you added that drawl onto it that's that's not the way you want to do that so yeah um, so yeah so you started I'm an anti racist jazz fan so you have a YouTube channel um, uh, d- discussing it. Uh, what was like um, uh, your main motivator for yeah. uh, starting that website uh, starting that uh, Twitter account? Uh, at the time, I just felt like I really wanted to do something like, you know, this is just around the time of George Floyd, um, when seeing George Floyd be murdered, uh, you know, after all these other deaths, after all these other killings and, um, not, not really any consequences for those other killings and seeing it affect the team in particular ways, I kind of saw this opening my, I had this idea that, Utah has this reputation of being like the most racist fan base or one of the most racist fan bases. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get defensive and deny that right away because I've seen racism here and, but I also felt like there was kind of a, a lot of people that didn't, that wanted to actively fight that too. And we just needed 
a place to kind of talk about it. We needed we need the the voices that are anti-racist to to kind of be more present in the overall conversation. Because I don't think like a small Twitter account and the video and I the video series I did and stuff it's not gonna it's not gonna solve racism. It's not gonna cure anything. But if I can um, get some ideas to in in the heads of people who already want to be anti-racist but aren't quite sure exactly how to go about doing it right that's that's kind of really what i was aiming for it's like there's a lot of good people in utah uh a lot of people that don't that if you call them racist they would really that that would might even sound shocking to them or they would deny it or they would say no i you know i i was raised to love everybody and this kind of thing so i think a lot of the racism that i had become familiar with was that kind of been benign racism i hate to use that term because it makes it seem like it doesn't matter but what i mean I is use, it's not it's not like cross burning you know? i use the term uh, casual racism yeah yeah it's it's sort of like back pocket racism like ignorant right, yeah. based, based in ignorance exactly. um and you know and it's like but they're the kind of people that would be motivated to to want to to uh to be anti-racist and so you just once you start, like I started reading all the book, like anti-racist books and listening to podcasts and watching videos. And I just thought this is, this would be really cool to um, amplify what the NBA and what the players are all, already trying to do. And to do that with my whiteness, like bring my whiteness into that and kind of cash in a little bit on white privilege and, you know, wrecking. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Like I'm a white guy. Like, how, I mean, how do you feel? When, when you talk about this stuff, it's got to, there's got, it's got to be a little bit different than what, cause I'm a white dude doing it. Right. So when you talk right. about anti-racism, there are differences there. Uh, yeah. So, um, first of all, um, uh, unfortunately, you know, you're not going to see, you know, Blair and I are on video, uh, look at each other. And, um, uh, I was going to say you white, you Ben Affleck. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Blair, Blair is white. Um, so I'm yeah, very I, I'm, white. Very... I'm like a Conan O'Brien, like glow in the dark <laughs> sort of like you know redhead. Yeah, so I know, I know, like I'm a, you guys, you you get the whole redhead stereotype and everything. <laughs> and yeah, so I you know, I mentioned this on on the podcast before. We talked about it, and racism is such a weird subject because like obviously no one wants to be racist. Nobody wants to be racist. And but there's a song out there. Uh, I can't remember who does it, but like the song is everybody's a little bit racist. Yeah, it's Avenue and, Q, uh, I think. Right, you know, I'm gonna say that's true. Like, here's the thing: I'm a little bit racist, and part of it is my family life. Part of it is growing up like in the '90s and stuff where we didn't have yeah. social media. A lot of stuff where this stuff was able to cultivate and grow. Like, no, that, am I calling people you know bad words? Am I saying this? Not really. No, I'm not right. saying that. But um, uh, you know, we all have stereotypes that we that yep. we're ignorant about. Like, I'm a, um, I didn't realize the plight of like my black friends that I had yep. until, you know, just the last, you know, decade or so. Last, like, yeah. I was like, Oh, you know, I didn't realize how bad it was for you growing up and yep. stuff that you felt uh, because like, you know, I, I never really saw anybody call you the N word, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but I didn't realize there was other forms of racism, like yeah. being fetishized and, you know, as, as a black woman or, um, uh, you know, says, Oh, Hey, my friend's black. So I can say the N word around him because he's right. cool with it. You know? Like, yeah, those or, are just, or just like mainstream white culture being so predominant, like so, yeah. uh, you, you know, I, I feel like a lot of black Americans know white America so much better than white America knows black America. I mean, they, oh, they, they uh, sort yeah, of yeah. it's sort of inescapable, like predominant in entertainment, in, in music, like the stuff you see on TV, uh, most of the, a lot of TV shows. 
And so they've kind of like black people, a lot of black people have been able to observe whiteness and learn about whiteness in order to survive, in order to, to make it right. And, and I never had to do any of that kind of translation in my head. Sometimes, in fact, it's weird. Like I would feel unsettled sometimes to be around black people with the fear that they would think I was racist. Right. Which, yeah. which only was a reflection of my own racism, my own like anxieties and my own <laughs> like prejudging and expecting something from black people right like it's the irony is my anxiety to not be racist was itself kind of rooted in some racism you know right so. like like you say that and then brought up this memory so just a month ago um i do a, a, a different podcast called geek, geek gods and uh my co-host there is my ex-girlfriend and she's uh, mixed and she was talking to us about black black films black movies yeah and she's like what black movie have you seen and I was like, oh boy. And like, I got really embarrassed. And I was just like, Black Panther, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. That, that is, you know, one of the biggest black movies I've seen um, that kind of encapsulates black culture, but also like it's, that's a fictional black culture uh, right. portrayal. Like, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, there's like Fruitvale Station that I see and stuff, but right. like, there's also like just like black films with black, primarily black casts and black actors that are not as heavy as like Fruitvale Station. Yeah, as, the, yeah, the right. topic of it's not racism, right? It's right, like, exactly. And I think this is the same with LGBT issues. Like how many characters do we see in a show where they're gay, but it's not about them being gay? The, the <laughs> how many gay. shows do we see about someone who's black, but it's not about them being black. It's just what the movie is. Like we don't see right. these movies with white people and be like, oh, this is a white person plot. We just think, oh, this is a movie plot, you know? <laughs> right. And so and like I, I, I can see why white America, um, they get, they get uncomfortable. Cause like it, it's, again, you know, if we accept that everybody's a little bit racist and saying, Hey, it's okay. If, as long as that like, you, you know, number one, admit the problem and number two, like going, well, how can I be better? You yeah. know, um, after, you know, George Floyd was a very good example because, uh, that happened. We invited our friend AJ. He's kind of our friend. We'll see. We'll see what happens after the Lakers and the Jazz play in the playoffs if he's still our friend or not. But uh, AJ would come on and talk about his plight and like how he feels during that time. And just one of the things that I want to do is like, you know, I just want to listen. Just tell me how you feel because, you know, I, I don't have the same kind of. You know, there there has been some stop Asian hate recently, but at right. that time there wasn't. And so it's just one of the things that like, please tell me how you feel because. I want to hear it from your point of view and hear why you're scared about this because it, it doesn't involve someone that you know personally, but you know, it's somebody that is a black American, right? Yep. And does AJ have kids? Uh, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's, so he's getting married this month, I think. So congrats yeah, to AJ. So like, and I think that would amplify it. I mean, the, a lot of the people I've talked to have talked about the hard conversations that they have to have with their kids about how to act in grocery stores or, you know, what to wear when they're walking down the street or all of these things that, that so many black Americans have to have these discussions about that I wasn't even aware of. Um, right. But, but with you as well, I mean, re more recently we're seeing an uptick in, in anti-Asian sentiment in, in, in violence uh, directed at Asian people. And so you're closer to, you know, you're a, mi you're a minority as well. So like yeah. you're, it's interesting um, to talk to you as being someone on the, on that has to really grapple with that in ways that I've never had to grapple. I've, I've never had to deal with that stuff. Yeah. Like I, I talk about, so like, you know, there have been times in my life when people have driven by or just say yelled 
uh, Asians uh, obscenities at me. Um, yeah. Not in a not in like a language, but like you know, like they would say certain you know words that are hurtful to Asian Americans. And yeah. On one hand, like I'm like, all right, whatever. Like they they drive past and they're gone. But on the other hand, that part that, that there's a part that lives with you. Like like oh boy, like why you know who is this person that just says that like. Who yeah. taught you that that was like, why do you think that's an okay thing to do? And why do you, why, why does that make you feel good yeah. to tear somebody down? Right. Yeah. Like why um, even do that? Like, right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's always very weird to me, but that stuff's not the stuff that, I mean, it bugs me, but it's, a, it's not the stuff that really is kind of the root of the problem. Part of the root of the problem is that you get used to, like I say, casual racism. Oh, yeah. we're, we're making fun of my race. All right. Well, haha. Yeah, let's laugh yeah, about jokes it because, and stuff. Yep, yeah, like yep. it's, it's like, oh, you're a bad driver because you're Asian. Oh, yep. so now if I do something that is like, if if I have a car accident, great. Now like it's like, great. Am I proving the stereotype? Like, no, but I'm just yeah. a bad driver because I'm a human being that just wasn't paying attention or whatever, yep. you know. Yep. But like it was like, oh, he had a car accident. Ha ha ha. And yep. growing up, um, in in Utah in primarily white dominated neighborhoods, um, you you know fight or flight right oh i better yeah. i better accept this because i don't want to be known as the guy that makes a big deal out, out yeah. of uh, yeah that's that is a very interesting social dynamic that that and you're not the first person that sort of introduced me to this it's this idea of kind of like there's safety and kind of going along with it and then right. that that can make uh, white folks that are doing it feel like well, you know you become the asian friend like my, yeah. well my asian friend the, the, it's like well no your asian friend doesn't feel safe telling you that that's a <laughs> really crappy thing to do to them like that doesn't right. give you license to do that more like <laughs> you know i'm i'm not racist i have black friends yeah right? Yeah. So like, and, and so this is like, we, we, let's get back to like the so jazz, so jazz fans are like, I'm not racist. I've never seen it. I've never, I've yeah, never heard. I've, it. I've never, never heard that. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it diminishes the views of like, I'm sorry that you haven't heard it. That's great. That's awesome. I'm glad that you never experienced it yourself. Yep. But these people are telling me they've seen it and they've heard it. Like yep. we have to start believing people more. Like, all right, yep. like. You know, a lot of people aren't making this up. It's it's one of the things that exactly it, it, again, and sometimes it's accidental. Like I'm, a, I have a friend at work who was talking about how his family's from Wyoming, or his uh, sorry, uh, his in-laws are from Wyoming, and they, and they would say things that he would make him uncomfortable. He's white, mm-hmm. and he was uncomfortable about it. And he would talk to his wife about it, and it's like, and his wife was like, "No, my parents aren't racist." And I said, "You're right. I you know I, I agree with your wife. They're not racist, but they're uh, they're ignorant. They're ignorant to like these jokes." Or yeah. these things that they say um, hurt people because they don't have anybody there in that in that community that can tell them that they're just See, ignorant to the problem. And I try to shift the whole conversation. Like one of the approaches I have with the anti-racist jazz account is to avoid calling people racist, avoid wow. using racist as a tag, avoid uh, all of that, and just to say it actually doesn't, you know. I'm not a racist. Uh, well, that's kind of beside the point. What you did was a racist thing. Whether you're yes. a racist, I'm not here to put a title on you and sum you up because you you're a, also uh, you may be you're a, a man and a father and a brother and a and a uncle and there's a lot of things that you are. You also did a racist thing, <laughs> and right. let's talk about that rather than you know. I don't I'm not I wouldn't tell anybody else never to call someone a racist. I, I think that's totally fine. Uh, like, it's you know, I go ahead and do that. But what I've found with the account is if if we skip that question altogether and just talk about the actions themselves, 
I tend to get further with people and say, hey, I'm not I'm not here to call you a racist. In fact, go go look through the whole history of it. You just won't find an example of me calling someone a racist. I'm here to talk about racist things that happen that sometimes you do and sometimes I do and sometimes, you know, that's the approach for me. So with your friend in Wyoming, I would say, hey, I'm not here to call your family a bunch of racists. But you know what? Sometimes they do like things that are kind of racist. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about uh, what they're actually doing and, and you know, like, shift the conversation. Like it, yeah. Would you say that if that person was right in front of you, you know, or would you do yeah. that if like, I'm a, like you could see the hurt in their faces or whatever, yeah. like just feel. And so, uh, again, you know, we're, we're trying to spread positivity, spread um, like listening to, you know, our, our multicultural friends. Yeah. That's uh, you know? the biggest thing is like, listen. And, and and admitting there's a problem, that's the other. Yeah, thing. Well, yeah. Because sometimes sometimes people will tag the account. Like, I've noticed this. Other fans will come in from other fan bases and say like, "Well, the jazz fans are all racist," you know. And someone will tag me in as though I was proof that we're not, or as though this account exists as proof that we're not. And usually, I will pop in those discussions and say, "Hey, you know what? Yeah, we're working on that. And like, this is a problem in Utah." And uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes I think people are at, kind of acting in bad faith when they do that. It's just kind of a way to um, diminish our fan base. Like it, it's kind of a, it's one of these internet games that we play about like talking crap about people. <laughs> and I think that that happens sometimes. Uh, but even when they're doing it, I think in bad faith, I'm, I'm not there to defend jazz fans against charges of being racist. I'm there to say, Hey, that's a problem. And here's some ways that we're working on it. And, yeah, you know, I mean, we can do. we're just spreading information, and uh, I, I'm I'm really I'm, I'm proud because like I'm a I I'm I'm really glad because like a rural history here like Blair and I met at a uh, podcast conference that we were both at, um, and uh, it's funny because like he was like oh you do a jazz podcast like because he, he was there for a completely different thing I was like he's like oh you do a jazz podcast and I was like uh, uh, which one is it and I told him what it was he goes oh I listened to that I go no you don't like. I like I, I see how many people listen to our podcast, and I just assume it's like Jared, <laughs> si- Jared signing in for different podcast things and <laughs> listening to get our numbers up. But as, as I was like, you do that, I was like, oh, and then like I, then you told me your handle. I was like, oh yeah, I've seen you around. Like you talk about yeah. jazz a lot, and uh, then you know I invited you on and we talked, and um, and then like you're, you're like, hey, we should get back on. I was like, yeah, of course. Like it, it's one of these weird things that like I want to talk to so many people, but we only, you know, I, I think it's best for this podcast to only be on once a week. You know, people don't want to hear my voice more than that. But um, I can't produce more than that. Gee. I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, inside baseball, it is midnight thirty Friday, May seventh. Yeah. Uh, Blair is able to hop on super late because I just I got off work. I was like, hey, let's go right now. But uh, Blair, you you used to run the Maxwell Institute. Uh, but now you're you're uh, delving into different uh, podcast avenues here. Yeah, that's right. So uh, I I hosted the Maxwell Institute podcast for eight years at, at Brigham Young University. It was a show where I interviewed scholars of religion about different religious traditions, mostly uh, mostly Mormonism. Um, but the first couple uh, years was all kinds of different religious traditions, and so. I was there for eight years. I was ready to try something new. So um, I left BYU. I got a new job. And as uh, that gave me the freedom to start my own show. And so I'm branching out and I'm still it's going to be a show about religion and culture. Um, I'm talking to people like national uh, writers and graphic novelists and some scholars of religion, some scholars of race uh it's so it's it's kind of a grab bag of just like some of my most favorite books that have really fascinated me 
uh, and getting to talk to those authors and then put those conversations out. So um, I'm really excited about it. It's gonna I'm gonna start releasing these in the fall. Um, it's called Fireside with Blair Hodges. Um, oh yeah, I mean that's a uh, that's very well aptly named. <laughs> yeah, I got a yeah. There, Fireside was generic enough that I was like, okay, well. I'll put my name on there, so if people are googling it, uh, that'll narrow it down for them. Uh, yeah, uh, when you when you start a podcast, like there's a lot of th- stuff you have to think about, like how do I get SEO, how do I get all this stuff, yep. to, like oh, yeah. get to randomize on there to people because uh, if you if you obviously you, you just listen to you know almost an hour or like 45 minutes of Blair here, he's uh, articulate, well spoken, well read, um, and you know just it's good. Like I do this podcast and I stammer and I just. I have so many thoughts that I just like, oh, I don't know where to go, but uh, how to connect them all. Uh, no, but yeah, like you keep it going well. Like this is, and and you're mostly live to tape, right? I, listeners should know, like you're you're yeah, going I, for it. Like there's not a whole I, lot of, like I edit, I, I pretty heavily edit my stuff, so I can yeah. like mess up on a question and like you know, <laughs> right? Stuff like I uh, that. well because like again we 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 get done recording sometimes at like 1:30 a.m. Uh, yeah. that you know. God bless uh, Logan, Jared, and our guests for always like hanging out with me late. Um, and I just like guys, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm really lazy. I, just, I, I, write, I make my notes of like if I need to make a real edit in the podcast. I'm like, all right, here yeah. we go, boom, 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 here we go. So, yeah, um, yeah, like I'm. A, that's just, that's just how I do it to like kind of save my time in the in the editing process, you know? Because yeah. if I if I if I let my perfectionist side take over, like yeah, these will these will never get done. So yeah. Um, yeah, but um, uh, yeah. So I'm, well, thanks for coming back on. I mean, you know, yeah. hey, you know what? I know that you're doing a lot of stuff. I know we we didn't get to talk very much jazz. Hopefully, we can do it at an earlier time where we can do a super size episode. Um, because I, I do yeah, want to get more people about... on. Like y'all did had an episode a little just pretty recently with a bunch of people. I missed when the co-op began. When did it begin? I've seen it. I've seen y'all talk about it. So you know, let's talk about the co-op history real quick while we ask yeah. time here. Like, so. You know, when I first kind of started High Notes, that was almost, uh, what, two years ago, it feels like. Um, you know, then I was like, who else is else do, doing jazz podcasts? And the funny thing is that there, there was Jedi Germs and Devin, which uh, Jared turned me on to. Uh, then Matt Sanchez did jazz podcasts. Uh, Adam Bushman was doing Jabber Jazz. Uh, and then uh, then McCoy and Emily came in like a wrecking ball with uh, Jazz Gals. I'm like, oh, my yes, God, that's going to be so jazz-a-gals. cool. Jazz Gals. Like, Shout I was like, out to the Jazz Gals. Right. And I was, I was like, I was like, you know what? Maybe we could just all like promote each other yeah. and help. And That's so great. I started doing that, but then they kind of all like I, those podcasts kind of disappeared a little bit. And then I, then twos and threes came out of nowhere, and then Home yep. Court Press. And I was like, I was like, oh well, these guys are here now. And I was like, I was like, McCain and Brian have a have a podcast. And I never met Mark, but I was, I was like, oh, twos and threes. And then I I, I want to give credit. I think Mark came up with the term uh, jazz pod co-op. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was like, it's actually really good. And so anyway, it just became the things like if you do a jazz podcast and you want to talk and, you know, you know, it, it's, it's not uh, uh, this is kind of funny because the click uh, thing was kind of brought up uh, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. earlier this yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like it's like being called racist, like, you know, being called racist is bad. Do racist things is bad. But if you're being called that you're part of a click doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. You know, yeah. people are like, is Jazz Pod a click? I'm like, yeah, we are. Like, you know, but it doesn't mean we're not inclusive. Like, I want to talk to a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, I always kind of draw the line about, like, a click to me means, like, it deliberately trying to exclude and demean and sort of bully, right. I guess. Like, and if you're, there's the really heavy in-group, out-group. Whereas 
I think sometimes the dynamic on Twitter is just like there's a lot of noise on there, and so yeah, I, I think McKay said it really well. McKay was like, "I'm a, you know, we're seeing everybody's conversations. That's not something you you see in regular life. No. So like sometimes we're just talking to the friends that we have. Like we're having conversations with people that we know in real life, and people, you know, you're seeing it, and you're like, yeah. I want to hop in that, but like these guys are all friends and clicky and yeah. I think it seems McCoy like made I, a good point too of like you gotta look if you go out and plan something, go out and invite people to do something, or go, you know, like I think she's a really good example of somebody who's like I went to a picnic that she and some other people had thrown thrown together a, a couple oh, yeah. years ago, yeah. and you know, let's do let's let's beat COVID and let's do that again, folks. Yes. So. <laughs> Get well, your Blair, vaccines. Uh, this was too short. We're we're gonna do this. We're gonna do another episode, and you know, I, I apologize that Logan and Jared couldn't be here. Um, it's been a rough week. We're, we're, we're changing schedules, so maybe you won't hear episodes on Wednesday or Thursday anymore. It might be Friday. We'll see. Uh, things are always in flux. Uh, but I'm glad to have you on here, man. Get some sleep. I'm sure you have a real, like, grown-up job that you have to be up for. Yeah. Um, fun. And yeah, I got, so I got kids, too, so. Yeah, oh, yeah, to... see? Yeah, you got kids, man. Like, I mean, it's I get busy. the... See, I, I didn't even have time to ask that question. Like I like to talk about your kids, but <laughs> yeah. well, they're great. They're perfect, and they never uh, bother me at all. They, okay. <laughs> well, you 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 parent, <laughs> and I'm a perfect kids. parent. <laughs> so make sure to listen. Like we'll have you again uh, in a couple weeks in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and yeah we'll for sure. Out, we'll figure out these real fear rankings because um, uh, things have been changing, and we'll learn the secrets of parenting. Uh, yes, uh, I have such of... wisdom to bestow yeah, so, uh, on uh, you. You know. You can follow him at, at Life on a Plate. Yes. Uh, that's Life on a Plate. Uh, uh, and um, he runs the Anti Racist Jazz. That's at Anti Racist yeah. Jazz. Um, and, you know, he, he will fight the good fight. He will, we will talk about racist actions and how they affect it. And go jazz. Let's, let, yeah, let's, let's keep it going. It. Let's, let's see if the jazz can beat the Nuggets. And hopefully the number one seed is the path that they want, like yeah. the path of least resistance. That's right. It's, it's all flux. So who knows? So, uh, Blair, thanks a lot for coming on. Get some sleep. Yeah. Thanks, Who. It was great. Thanks yeah. a lot. I. That's it. Uh, we'll see you guys next time.